Simon Wilson is with us in the Auckland studio. We appreciate that, Simon. He is senior writer with the New Zealand Herald. Morena. Corina, Kiora, Catherine. Let's start with some of the latest proposals for a waterfront stadium for yeah. Auckland. This one has caught attention. One of the options in particular, it is uh, very, very uh, dramatic in design. And what's the sort of status at the moment about these proposals coming in, Simon? Well, your listeners may know that uh, there are four different proposals uh, being considered at the moment by Council. Council put together a committee which involved some of its councillors and other people in the community uh, to try and work out which of them might make the best sense. We're going to hear from that committee, uh, I believe, perhaps at the end of this month or maybe into March. Um, But in the meantime, um, some of those groups have been drip-feeding their proposals to the public. Uh, And the latest one that came out on the weekend was a very important impressive-looking stadium uh, to be built on old railway land, uh, proposal to be built on old railway land um, at the bottom of Parnell, uh, which basically is an empty site at the moment, looking out towards uh, Rangitoto. Uh, What did you make of it? Well, it's extraordinarily impressive from an architectural point of view. Uh, The big difference they have there, uh, it's it's very open, so you can see in and out of it. So it's not a. They're saying it's not a Caton-like situation where it's all closed. In most stadiums in the world, of course, you can't see in or out. This you can. Um, and in addition to that, down at the harbour end, uh, it's open. So behind the goalpost at that end, uh, there's a view right through to Rangitoto Island, which is a spectacular idea. And I don't know whether that would put off the goal kicking, um, but I probably don't care about that because to be in that crowd and have that view would be amazing. Comparisons being made with the likes of the Sydney Opera House. Of course, the, the mystery, well, and actually, fair enough, because it was a hell of a battle, as you know, for the architect to, yeah. to get that project through, and yet now you can barely envisage, envisage Sydney uh, without it as, a, as an iconic image. But what's the story here with who's going to pay for what? Because this is the other issue. Yeah, it's it wonderful is. to have these beautiful, bold concepts, but two things are guaranteed the price will blow out, and second, who does? pay uh, with this to advance. So this proposal comes from a consortium which has uh, some significant New Zealand involvement, but the design has been international, uh, the uh, construction proposal is international, uh, and there's international, a lot of international money involved, or money companies involved. It's not clear yet uh, where they're going to get their money from, um, and they have said that they believe that government and or council will need to contribute. So that raises an interesting question. If, if you've got major financial institutions in, interested in something like this, you could read that as saying they see it as a viable proposition and they want a slice of the action. Fine. Um, or you could read that as saying they see it as an opportunity to get some money from the taxpayer and or the ratepayer. Uh, not so fine. Because the reality in Auckland, like much of the country, is that uh, we have very serious infrastructure uh, issues that need addressing in water, in transport in particular. Uh, and I don't imagine there are many Aucklanders at all who would argue that state money or council money should be used to fund a stadium ahead of fixing transport and water. So what is the status of the waterfront stadium proposal? Uh, Is there an in-principle approval of having one, or does it just remain a kind of a, a... a nebulous idea. I mean, there's serious money goes into coming up with designs like this, right? That, that's absolutely right. There is no in-principle approval. Uh, one of the four proposals is, is simply to renovate Mount e- uh, Eden Park, um, which, of course, is what the Eden Park um, 
people want. That's not owned by council. Um, so that's a separate a trust and it has a significant government input there. Um, that, that's regarded as the front runner, if you like, but simply because it's easiest. Um, but it isn't necessarily the, it, it won't be the best option functionally and it isn't necessarily even the best op- option financially. There is another complication in this, which is, is Ngāti Whātua. I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. So Ngāti Whātua own a lot of the land near the waterfront already possibly including the land this is on it it hasn't isn't quite clear exactly where they want to put it to uh, to uh, reveal that and Ngāti Whātua have been strangely silent the consortium says they are talking to the iwi um, and there is a kind of general year we're interested uh, but Ngāti Whātua themselves have have their own major plan for development they would like the port to be they'd like to buy some action in the port and have major plans for developing that uh, and they have their own plans for for the land they own um, and you can't, of course, just come along and go, well, we've got this wonderful thing, will you tick the box for it, please? You mm. actually have to have them in at the start. Very interesting stuff. made it clear that that's happened. Yeah, I, I do wonder, too, by the time some of these stadiums are built, where they were all just sitting at home on the sofa with our Apple Vision Pros on, having the experience of a large stadium without actually being there. Um, slightly you, facetious, you, you, but actually I, I not too. I know what you're saying, and, and the, if, you think, if you think about the entertainment industry... Um, Netflix had uh, people thought Netflix would see the quick collapse of cinemas. That didn't happen, uh, but it, it has made a big hole in the cinema industry, mm. and uh, that could happen in sports too. Okay, right. now in Hoon Bay, there's a there's a dreadful spat underway, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> talk us through whether this pipe upgrade is necessary, and then second, whether it's how it's being done that has got the locals yeah. pretty worked so, up. You know, one of the jokes about Auckland is that whenever it rains or rains badly, there is human faeces washing up on the beaches. And it washes up quite widely because of the way the currents work. So under the previous mayor, Phil Goff, for all that he didn't do or did wrong, the big thing he did do was say, I am going to fast track what's called the Central Interceptor, a major project costing well over a billion dollars to upgrade the stormwater and wastewater systems under central Auckland so that they would be properly separated and our beaches would be cleaned up. Everybody thinks that's a good idea. The irony for poor old Phil Goff is that his legacy, once it's completed, no one will ever think about it or know about it or see it. Um, But that's how it goes. Um, That work is underway, has been underway for some years, so that if you go around Auckland at the moment, you go to Mount Roskill, there is a a beautiful park there that has a big building site in it, which is one of the sites where they have dug down to be to to work on the pipes. If you go to to go to Owairaka, if you go to Sandringham, if you go to Mangere, you'll find these holes in the ground which are building sites, and they are disrupting the locals' use of parks because they've mainly been done in parks rather than on the roads. Um, and the locals don't complain. They don't complain at all because they know the work needs to be done and probably for many of them they don't think that actually you should be complaining about things like that. In Hearn Bay, the wealthiest place to live in the whole country, um, it's a little bit different. The workers on the Central Interceptor site have taken a corner of one park there um, and some of the locals are up in arms um, even though they will be principal beneficiaries of this work because their own beautiful little beaches along that coastline um, uh, are some of the ones that are affected 
badly at the moment. You know, it's an extraordinary example of NIMBYism in action uh, and, and the power of money to complain and to think you have the right to complain. All right, let's head over the shore now to Long Bay. What's happening there? And then you get the other side of things. Yeah. Auckland Council officials have told a couple, a Long Bay couple who have been doing a whole lot of community work for years, including they go around and they, they pick up abandoned toys off the beach. Long Bay is a beautiful, long, big beach, the top beach in the urban part of the city. Now, they pick up abandoned toys, things like that, clean up the beach, and they have set out a voluntary uh, toy library with a little sign so if you turn up to the beach with your kids uh, and they don't have anything to play or they want to play with something else that you can use that put stuff back at the end good public service right council has told them that actually it doesn't comply it's not the kind of thing they haven't got the right signage blah 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 yeah just extraordinary Uh, you you get this kind of thing happening around the city from time to time Uh, people plant their booms and they get told that you can't put a flax bush or a lemon tree there but they do it anyway yeah. and it's a toy on. library Simon it's a toy library it's a box with some toys in it <laughs> oh dear yeah. um, okay I would have yeah anyway I would have thought the mayor of Roadcombe yeah, yeah, um, and, and I, I haven't seen that he's said anything about this, but perhaps he has behind the scenes, or perhaps it hasn't <laughs> come across his radar yet, because um, you, can, um, you can see his face, can't you? I, I can, I can indeed. It, yes. But staying with the Mayor on more serious matters, the regional fuel t- uh, tax is gone, and the question now is what replaces it. Some arguing it will just end up being paid for by the same people a different way. Uh, but what are the implications for some of the transport issues it was yeah. attempting to or supposed to be helping fund? It's really hard to know how this is all going to play out. Regional fuel tax will finish on June 30. Uh, that put 11.5 cents a litre onto the price that Aucklanders pay for petrol in theory. In practice, Aucklanders, I probably pay less to fill my car than you do, Catherine, because you're in Wellington, I'm up in Auckland. Auckland petrol prices do tend to be a bit cheaper than many other parts of the country. And, of course, they're volatile from day to day, and they're volatile for different parts of the city as well. Yeah, I bet so, your commutes are a hell of a lot longer too, though, in fairness. Uh, yes. <laughs> for, for, not in all instances, but for true. many people, yeah. So, so the reality is that taking that 11.5 cents a litre off the price of petrol isn't necessarily going to show up in 11.5 cents per litre less uh, petrol. It may be it will for a week or two, but I expect that it will quickly just simply disappear. Um, on the other hand, that money um, was enabled the city and the government working together to do a number of projects, to build, can proceed with a number of projects. And one of the values of that money is that it now, because it was raised, it, it unlocked other funding that was able to be raised as well. So it, it, it had a kind of uh, accelerator effect. Um, immediately, the Minister for Transport and for Auckland, Simeon Brown, has made it clear he doesn't want any money like that spent on cycleways or raised pedestrian tables. So you can see that there's an obvious target there. They want to stop that. Now, Wayne Brown's view on those things is that he doesn't mind them, uh, but he wants them to be cheap, um, which is a functional idea that probably most people would agree with. Um, But in addition to that, it's also clear that 
Without the regional fuel tax money, there is no funding available at the moment to finish the Eastern Busway, which is a major dedicated busway being built uh, from uh, being built out to Botany, um, and no funding or not enough funding to enable a northwestern busway to be built, even though that's government policy, or for a Botany to Manukau busway to be built, and that also is government policy. So they've got some more announcements to make. Um, one of the suggestions is that it will be a congestion charge, what's now been called time-of-use charge. You would pay a toll effectively for using the motorway or another busy road at peak times. Um, but Wayne Brown describes that as a demand management uh, solution to a problem, to the congestion problem, rather than a revenue generator. Mm. It's not expected that it would raise yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. So, uh, they, more, que- more, more questions than answers, often as they oh, say. Oh, and, okay. and, and, the, and the big thing for Wayne, for Wayne Brown, of course, is that he wants to be the person running um, in charge of decisions for Auckland. Uh, he's never persuaded, didn't persuade the last government of that, and he, though he was working with them, and he hasn't clearly hasn't yet persuaded the, the new government. Now, staying with the, the Committee for Auckland, what is yeah. it that's caught your attention? Well, um, I was at a meeting on Friday, uh, which was the Committee for Auckland. They invited the Minister for Auckland, Simeon Brown, to make a speech to them about his views of the city and the, and the future. The Committee for Auckland is a group uh, of senior business leaders, senior institutional leaders, like from the universities, uh, from council organisations and elsewhere. Uh, They do a lot of research work. They are the leading organisation in the city that researches what's happening in the city, what the options are, how we could progress and develop, um, looking at economic, environmental, cultural, so looking across the field. And they're very, very strongly bipartisan. Um, And they're very credible. Simeon Brown was invited to talk to them. and it was a little, it was a kind of two worlds thing. He didn't make a speech about the future for Auckland. He made a speech about um, a number of roading projects he was, uh, sorry, transport projects he was going to stop. And the, one of the interesting things for me was that it happened in a, in a weird context. It was Waitangi Week last week, of course. The meeting opened with a karakia from a representative from Ngāti Whātua. Uh, it then went to a mihi whakatau, uh, a welcome made by a member of the Committee for Auckland Board who was a senior person at the big engineering consultancy firm, Becker. And that's Auckland now. I, I imagine it's many other parts of the country, but it is certainly Auckland now. If you go to a major uh, corporate event or institutional event or educational event, often even sporting events, you will have that Māori to Ao Māori framework put around it. And what it does is generate a respect in the room and a sense of here we are together to achieve some purpose. Um, I thought the minister would get up and respond in kind and was surprised that he didn't he didn't even manage to say Kyoto. Thank you, Simon. Yamihinui. Simon Wilson is the New Zealand Herald's uh, senior writer.